Welcome to episode 80 of Musically Challenged, your heaping helping of music, trivia, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Chad Knight, and with me, as always, is Lou Schwalbach. Good afternoon. Now, this episode is going to be something different. As we all know, when someone does a song by another artist, it would be considered a cover song, and oftentimes, but not always, covers are named the same thing, such as Twist and Shout by the Beatles and the Isley Brothers. That made one of our faithful listeners and contributors, Scott A., wonder, what about songs that had the same name but are not covers? When first hearing this idea, we really didn't give it much of a second thought. But then after some time, we got to thinking, you know, maybe. There's something there. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of songs that fit this category. I mean, take Heaven, for example. That's been done by Three Doors Down, Warrant, The Rolling Stones, Jay-Z, and The Psychedelic Furs, only to name a few. And they're all original songs. So today's show will be about those songs that are the same in name alone. They will not be covers and will likely swap styles as well. We won't be restricting any artists or genres, just songs that have the exact same name as another song. So sit back and relax while we get the show started. Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. I've been okay. It's it's uh, kind of a cooler day today, which is kind of nice, but it's supposed to get warm again. Yeah. <laughs> I, we still need more rain, though. Yeah, we do. I wish... They, they were talking rain yesterday, and we got we got some rain, but not it what I was before hoping we got it. for. You know, and the golf courses look like crap. I mean, Everything I, looks like crap well, right now. And the thing is, though, golf courses usually water pretty well. Right. And you know it's a problem when even either they're not watering because it's not worth it, or they are, and it still looks like hell. Right. Oh man. So tell me, you didn't do heaven. We've used the. We've done songs with the word heaven in them so much. Um, no, actually, I did not. And I, I didn't either. I had to look because I think that's why I used it as the example. Okay. That's what I was hoping. I'm like, God, man, I don't want to do more heaven songs. We did a whole episode of heaven songs. We did, and those were all originals. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was no. We didn't do any covers on that thing, and. Uh, actually, I did. I did actually a twofer because I did Brian Adams Heaven, but then DJ Yanu did a cover of Brian Adams one. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. dancey one. But that was kind of a cheater one because it was the same song for one. Right. Yeah. So yeah. A cover, but not really. I suppose. Yeah. But you know, dude, it's just uh, I'm getting excited here. A few weeks now. I'm a little early right now, but in a couple weeks here, I'm going to be off in California for vacation. And then a day later, you're going to turn you're going to turn all red and puffy because you'll be sunburnt to hell. Hopefully not. Two days? No, I, I've i got... Are you going to wear a burqa? <laughs> Maybe. That's a good idea, actually. In this climate, and I mean political climate, I'm not sure how well that would work. Although a chubby guy with a burqa, I mean... Hey, if I cover everything but my eyes, they don't even know I'm a guy. I got tits. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Should we uh, start drinking? Sounds like a plan. All right. So this time it was my turn. 
And I just happened to have a wedding over in Green Bay last weekend. So the wife and I took our last growler from uh, Captain's Walk Winery back, and we traded it out for our new bottle of booze. Oh, God, no, not that. Yeah, so this time we got hard cider again. But last time where we did the cherry, this time we did their quote-unquote special, mm. their their limited edition. Okay. It's called Funshine. Okay. It's supposed to... No, I haven't had this one yet. It looks very sunny. It looks very sunny. It's supposed to have orange hints to Tones, it. okay. Yeah. They say it pairs really good with... I can't think of the name of the beer right now, but the one where you put the orange on the... Oh, Blue Moon? Blue Moon. It, they said it pairs good with Blue Moon, but like I said, I haven't Nothing, drank it You know it what yet. pairs good with Blue Moon is dumping it down the sink. I was going to say not drinking it. I'm not a fan of Blue Moon either, but... I don't know. Should we... Uh... <laughs> you know, and do you remember what I asked you when you first pulled that bottle out? This is the color of somebody taking a piss in a jar. Seriously. It really is. And, and I put it in jars. Right. So, of course... <laughs> I'm glad you showed me the bottle and actually rotated it because I'm like, I ain't drinking this. <laughs> Unless I know what this is. Surprise! <laughs> I brewed it myself. <laughs> Ignore the foam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or the asparagusy smell. <laughs> All right, should we give this a shot? Sounds good. A little tart. Yeah, it's got a tart back end. I'm not tasting orange, but it's got some uh, like something flowery. I'm see, I'm getting citrus. It's not. That's what I'm saying. Specifically, like maybe orange blossom, maybe. maybe. It's um, good. It's better than uh, Blue Moon. Well, <laughs> the piss in the jar would be better than Blue Moon. We'll test that some night. Prison wine would be better than Blue Moon. God, anything they make in prison has got to be horrible. You know, but it serves the purpose, you know? I mean, if you're... What's the, the purpose? Just you, to get if, fucked up? Yeah. If that's the purpose, yeah, it probably I mean, think about purpose. it. You're taking it from a guy named Bubba. You're going to want to do anything you can not to either feel it or know it's happening. Or remember it. Exactly. Although I have to give the guys credit. With all of what they're allowed in prison, if they can figure out a way to do that, hey, good on you. Okay. I, I don't know, man. I just... I don't know if I could drink wine out of the back of a toilet. I just... I didn't say I would drink it. I'm just saying I'm just giving him credit for the ingenuity. Oh, oh. All right, so why don't we kick this damn thing off, man? Well, why don't we, first of all, go ahead and rate this? Oh, yeah. We got to rate this stuff. And you said it was Funshine? Yeah, it's called Funshine. All right. All right. How about a thumbs up? I'm going to give it a bar because okay. it's good, but it's not great. All right, I'm going to go with the thumbs up. I, I really enjoy this one. I mean, this would be good on a hot day. I mean, today is kind of a miserable, shitty day, but... Yeah. Yeah, it would be much better on a hot day, not one where you're sitting under the clouds and it's 68 degrees or whatever it is. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and it's August. I can't believe it's August already. I know. This is just sick. I mean, yeah. where, where's the year going? Um, I mean, think away. about it. Not too far from now, it's going to snow. And not too far from now, we're going to be in Madison. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, November comes a lot faster than you think. It does. In fact... Um, so, you know what actually, is, you know what else happened today, or what's going to be happening today? What's that? First Packer preseason game. And we're recording. Never said we were smart. <laughs> we In, in 90, yeah. 80 plus episodes, we've never once said that we're smart. You sure? If you want to go back and listen to all of them. To all 80 of them? Go nuts. I'm on it. No. <laughs> go to town. No. Don't you dare, bitch. You don't have any time. <laughs> all right, so... Should we jump into trivia? Absolutely. So, with this episode, we're making a change. A change and that... we're not talking about Chad's underwear. I did that this morning. 
Weekly change. That's right. <laughs> now, this is a change I've been looking forward to. So rather than Lou asking me all the trivia questions and me sounding like an absolute idiot most of the time. I would disagree with that, but go on. Lou's going to take a breather from that, and I'll be taking over the trivia mantle for a while. I promise it won't be permanent, unless you guys want it to be, that is, you know, let us know. All right, so. Now let's see if Chad's going to do the same thing that I did, and that's try to keep it similar to the title or the theme. I kept it to... A theme. <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing about it is, is what I did is... Um, especially for this one, is I picked one of the bands that are on here, and I did trivia about them. Okay, that's that's still theme-wise. Okay, so, here we go. And I, to me, this feels like I'm just lofting you the very first one. Oh, you're throwing me an underhand one as like a beginner? I, I think so, but I could be wrong. So, the trivia question is, who was the original lead singer for Van Halen? Okay. Okay, so I'll read it one more time for the people out there, and then at the end of the show... We can have you answer this. Who was the original lead singer for Van Halen? Okay. All right. And with that, why don't you kick us off, man? All right. Now, I was going to do Yesterday by Guns N' Roses and the Beatles, but until I double-checked it, I saw that the Gun song was Yesterday's with an S. Yes, it is. So it's not exactly the same, so I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. Okay, so what are you going to do? All right, so first one we're going to start off with is Fireball. Now, this is a song that was done by Deep Purple mm -hmm. and also done by Pitbull. You are correct, sir. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> so, Deep Purple's Fireball is a hard rock song off their 1971 album of the same name. Pitbull's Fireball is a dance song off this 2014 album, Globalization. Could these songs be any different? I mean, really. If you think about it, you've got a hard rock and classic by Deep Purple that's sung, directed at a singer's lady that's put up against Eurodance Pitbull that's... Talking about, surprise, surprise, being at a club, drinking, dancing, and possibly hooking up. And yelling Pitbull, I'm pretty sure. Uh, probably. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it could very well be. Why don't we go ahead and take a listen to the contrast of these two songs. So now, I'm a Deep Purple fan, as you guys probably already know, and I really enjoy this song, which is why I picked it, even though I did talk about it a bit during episode 27, the Al British Steel one. That said, I have to admit that as much as I dislike Pitbull, I kind of like this song. It gets a little infectious, it kind of gets in you and keeps you pulled in. The lyrics, I really don't give a shit about, but the music works. Which of the, better, which of the songs do I feel is a better Fireball song? Of the two, I'm going to have to give it to Deep Purple. So what makes sense? All right. So honestly, Deep Purple. When I hear Deep Purple, I think Smoke on the Water. I think Highway Star. Okay. I didn't know this song. Or Hush or My Woman from Tokyo. Well, yeah, but Child in Time, man. Oh, go on. Okay. This song I didn't know, and I'm really not a fan of this song. Deep Purple has always been kind of a hit or miss for me, anyway. This isn't a hit in my opinion. It's high energy for sure. It's fast-paced drums and more. Just. It's just a poor song all around, in my opinion. Okay. 
And now it's Pitbull! Anyway, sorry. What I meant to say is, what was that shit? I, Pitbull is a douche and his music is even worse. Not my thing. Time to move on. So of the two, which one would you give it to? Oh, definitely Deep Purple, but really I'd just like to take my vote back. Is that kind of the lesser of two evils? Yeah. All right, all right. So let's see what Chad's going to start off with. All right, I'm going to kick off with Money by The Beatles and Pink Floyd. Both are good songs. Let's first talk about The Beatles cover, Money. That's what I want. It was a song written by Tamala founder Barry Gordy and Janie Bradford that became the first hit record for Gordy's Motown Enterprise. The Beatles recorded Money in seven takes on July 18, 1963, with their usual lineup. A series of piano overdubs was later added by producer George Martin. The song was released in November 1963 as the final track from their second UK album with The Beatles. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that now. The best things in life are free. Now, the Pink Floyd song, Money, is one of my favorite Floyd songs. Money is a song by the English progressive rock band Pink Floyd from their 1973 album, The Dark Side of the Moon. Prog rock, shout out now. Written by Roger Waters. It opened side two of the LP record. Now, let's go ahead and take a listen to that one. Beatles remake of Money is a lot of fun. It was a really not a Beatles sounding song, but the harmony they put into the Motown song is pretty good. This is very early Beatles and it really sounds like it. And now the Pink Floyd song is one of my favorite Floyd songs. I've already said that, I know, but it bears repeating. The sounds of Money and receipt tape and all the funky groove in the background just catch the imagination. And if I could have heard it in 1973 when it came out, it would have been even more so. I like both of these songs, but Pink Floyd's is the better of the two, in my opinion. All right. What are your thoughts? So both songs talk about consumerism and either the search for or the at- and attempt at acquisition of said monetary amounts and things. Beatles cover of Barry Gordy and Jeannie Bradford you already talked about. It's really wanting nothing less than cold hard cash. And the Floyd version goes into not only cash, but what it can buy and what it can do, like buy yourself a football team or you know, get away from my stash. or Yeah. You know, and both are great songs in their own right. They're very similar in subject, but they're not the same at all. I like Pink Floyd's version of Money better in this case. The bass line is classic. It's instantly recognizable. It's an excellent inclusion into Dark Side of the Moon. And I do have to say, while the Beatles song, The Money, That's What I Want, is recognizable, the one that I think of when I hear this song is the one by The Flying Lizards. Okay. That's the the money, that's what I want, that they play in the movies and everything else. Right. um, Another cover, but it's, I think it's one of the better ones. Okay, fair enough. So, what are you going to bring us next? We're going to go with Dreams, because, you know, everybody wants Dreams. So, the first one is by Fleetwood Mac, and that was a single off their 1977 album, Rumors, which was a great album. Mm Mm-hmm. And then The Cranberries' Dreams is a single off their 1993 album, Everybody Else is Doing It, So Why Can't We? Both of them are 
the same in name alone. Mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and take a listen to Fleetwood Mac. We'll talk a little bit about that and then move on. Okay. And a little bit about that means a little intro and let's listen to the cranberries so you can compare. So the songs, as I mentioned, are pretty much opposite and also in style. I mean, we've got a classic rock song by Fleetwood Mac matched up against a 90s alt-rock song by the Cranberries. Uh, lead singer recently did just pass away, she I believe. Did, yes. which is, uh, and she had like the most Irish name ever. It was like O'Hulahan or something yeah. like that. It was, it was pretty amazing. Uh, rest in peace, by the way. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's version is actually a breakup song that was written by Stevie Nicks and clearly about her current breakup with Lindsey Buckingham and not really a very positive song, actually, if you, if you really No, it's really it. not. Kind of a dick song, actually. But it was a breakup. Right. Um, the Cranberries version, however, is a lot more positive and is talking about a new love and relationship and being happy. Uh, both of these songs dominated the airwaves on different stations. However, considering that the 90s are starting to creep into the oldies stations now, they're kind of getting put together. How does that make you feel? I'm not even going to comment on that. Um, they're both good songs. Dreams is another one that they had a ton of different songs for, like Van Halen. I'm not going to force Chad into another Van Halen song, so because it's another Sammy one, so we'll pass on that. Which is the better version? This is a tough one, because they're both really good songs in their own right. I mean, do I want to go with Stevie Nicks and her, you know, her great voice and like this um, smoky... Yeah, honestly, you just you can't hear the song without seeing her with like the... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, with all that crap that's on the microphone stand and like the flowing outfits and everything right, else. Right. Or you got it's Dolores O'Riordan. I actually wrote it down. Okay. Imagine that. And she's got that Irish happy voice. Mm -hmm. And I that was a really hard one. I'm a classic rock guy, so I'm gonna have to give it to Fleetwood Mac, but this was probably the closest one of the two for me. Okay. So everybody knows Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. It's a nice, smooth groove from the innovators of smooth grooves. I mean just a nice, easy song to listen to. I enjoy it. It's a good song. Don't have a whole lot to say about it. Everything you pretty much covered already. So let's move on to the Cranberry Song Dreams. Another song that is really nice and, to me, soothing to listen to. I love the vocals of the Cranberries' lead singer. Like you said, it's too bad she passed away recently. Still a great song. The video really captures the imagination I don't know if you saw the video when you were doing this or not, but... I didn't because I already had the song. I think I have the CD from the 90s. <laughs> okay. Now, when we sit here and we talk about which one is better, and this it's is, hard. It's, it is. It's very difficult. And it's, again, it's a subjective thing. It is. It absolutely is. And I really had a hard time figuring this out, but it comes down to the vocals. Mm -hmm. And with vocals for me, it's the Cranberries. Okay. So this edges out Fleetwood Mac simply on that... And it's got. I mean, I'm gonna make an assumption that was a close edge out too. I mean, oh like, yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. It's the uh, it's the Irish brogue wins. Okay. Because when she sings, you can still kind of hear it. You can. And I'm sorry, women with accents. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All I'm going to say is Becky Lynch. You know, and I was just thinking of the... I can't remember what her actual name is, but that lead singer from Lacuna Coil. Irish? Or uh, uh, I, Italian. Italian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's she's cute, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So up next, I'm going to go with Surrender by Elvis Presley and by Cheap Trick. So Surrender is a number one song recorded by Elvis Presley and published by Elvis Presley Music in 1961. And not, not written by Elvis at all. Probably not. No, he literally never wrote a single song. None of them? Not a single song of his he actually wrote. That is a piece of trivia that I had for you sometime. Oh, well, I'll forget by the time you use it. So, <laughs> It is an adapt- adaptation of Doc Pormis and Mort Schumann of the music of the 1902 Neapolitan Ballad by G.M. Bastista and Ernesto de Curtis entitled Torna a Sorrento, so, which means come back to Sorrento. It hit number one in the U.S. and the U.K. in 1961 and eventually became one of the best-selling singles of all time. This was one of 25 songs Doc Pomus and Mort Schumann wrote for Presley. It has been recorded by many other artists, so let's go ahead and hear a little now. So, my darling, please surrender. So Surrender is also a single by Cheap Chick. Trick. A cheap chick. It's a cheap chick. Uh, released in June 1978 from the album Heaven Tonight. It was the first Cheap Trick single to enter the Billboard Hot 100 chart, peaking at number 62. Its success in Japan, as well as the success of its preceding single Clock Strikes 10 and I Want You to Want Me, paved the way for Cheap Trick's famous concert at Nippon Bud- Budokan in Tokyo in April 1978 that were... Recorded for the group's most popular album, Cheap Trick, at Budokan. And here's a cheap trick. Now, I was actually unfamiliar with the Elvis song. Really? Yeah, I even after listening to it, I went, no, I don't. Not that I'd never heard it before, but I'm... It didn't ring a bell. Right. And it has a little bit of Spanish influence to the guitar, and I really do kind of like it. It's one of those songs that the guitar alone... And now this is not electric guitar, but the guitar, the... the, the, the like the Esteban guitar. Yeah, the, the, the Spanish sampling. Mm-hmm. I really like that sound of guitar work, so... It was great for me. Now, Cheap Trick, on the other hand, their song Surrender is one of those timeless classic rock songs. I really enjoy the song for completely different reasons than the Elvis song, but they're both really good. Now, was this one hard for me to pick a winner? No. Elvis. The look on your face goes, what? I didn't know if you were saying that and you were going to be like, just kidding. No, I I like the Elvis song, and it comes down in, in, in a lot of ways to Elvis's voice. And the guitar work. All right. I mean, they're both good. Don't get me wrong. But what are your thoughts? So this is an interesting set of songs that couldn't be more different. Elvis's version talks about a girl and he wants to give her himself. And Surrender... He wants to give it to her. Yeah, that too. (laughs) And Surrender to Me, whereas Cheap Trick is sung from the point of view of a kid who feels his parents are smothering him and are a little weird. And then all of a sudden they go from weird to cool when he walks in on them rolling numbers and rocking out to Kiss. It's a prime example of same name, different song... Of the two, I'm more of a Cheap Trick Surrender fan, and that's mainly because I feel that even though he's the king, I feel he's played out and overrated. 
Fair enough. And, uh, it's, I'm I am a greatest hits fan of Elvis, and that a couple songs, and I'm done. Okay. Okay. Quick question though. Favorite Elvis song? Ah. Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but Suspicious Minds. It's a good one. That's one of those that you don't realize. I mean, I know the song. I forgot what the title was for the longest time. But I like that song. Um, it was awesome in, in Leo and Stitch, actually. <laughs> and probably, probably Hound Dog. Hound Dog's a good one. My personal favorite is actually a ballad. It's it's a really kind of sad ballad in the ghetto. And the cold and gray Chicago morning. Yeah. I only know that because Cartman was singing it to Kenny in one of the episodes. Oh, really? <laughs> He's like, Kenny, you're poor. And then he starts singing the in the ghettos. I'm just like, that is awesome. <laughs> You'll have to figure out which episode that is and tell me so I can watch it. Absolutely. I'm sure right. we can probably uh, YouTube it. Yeah, so what what do you got up next? Next, we've got Somebody to Love by both Queen and Jefferson Airplane. So, Queen Somebody to Love is a Freddie Mercury pen single off of 1976 Day at the Races and is about someone who lives his life and tries so hard to find someone to love but never gets there. But in the end, he finds the direction he wants and decides he will not be denied and he will not be defeated. So let's listen. At the, end, At the end of the day, I take home my And then Jefferson Airplane is off of their 1967 Surrealistic Pillow album. Surrealistic Pillow? That should be an indicator right there what type of band it is, but Psychedelic. I digress. Psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And this one is different where it was written about a breakup. Um, they're obviously trying to find somebody special and be, it's just, they are the same but different, if that's an easy way to put it. Let's listen to Jefferson so I can actually stop spitting and stuttering across my tongue and talk and finish it up. Don't you want somebody to love? Don't you need somebody to love? Wouldn't you love somebody to love? You better find somebody to love. So Jefferson Airplane's version, again, it was written as a breakup song by Darby Slick, who wanted to have something about loyalty and one love monogamy instead of the free love of the 60s in San San Francisco. Yeah, you're going to be monogamous in the 60s in San Francisco. Yeah, that's going to happen. No. So this matchup is an operatic, gospel style song by one of the best bands in history versus a truly psychedelic classic rock song. I like Jefferson Airplane's 60s-style rock, but it does tend to get a bit old and get a little long in the tooth. Queen, on the other hand, never goes out of style. It never gets old. I think there, of all the Queen songs I've heard, there's maybe three I don't care for. And of, like, what, 13 or 14 albums... Of a lot of songs, right, right. It's a small percentage. White Queen is one of them I don't care for. I didn't. We we talked about that one. Yeah, I did we did not care for that. Yeah, that was a bad one. So the edge has to go to Queen pretty easily. As a sidebar, I cannot wait for Bohemian Rhapsody oh, in November. Oh God, I am like I'm a nerd. Co- I'm nerding out for this movie, it and comes I hate out the biopics. Week, it comes out the week before we go to Madison. It does. Yes, November second. I believe yeah, that is. Yeah. And I'm I'm nerding out hardcore because. I don't like biopics. Ordinarily, they bore me. But mm-hmm. this one, everything I've seen looks freaking amazing. I think my favorite line from the from the previews the right too now. Long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seven minutes. That long song is just too long. I feel sorry for your wife if seven minutes is too long or right. something like that. It's something to that degree. So, what are your thoughts? So, Queen, somebody to love is a great song. It kind of reminds me of a rock opera type song. 
it's a song where they pray to God or anybody else that's listening that he just needs somebody to love. It's one of Queen's better songs. It's not great, but would definitely qualify for a greatest hit, in my opinion. Okay. Now, Jefferson Airplane, their song, Somebody to Love, is also well-known. It's also a good song. This is one in the same vein as Queen is looking for love, but instead of putting it on some bean in the sky, the impetus is on them to find somebody to love. And have you watched the video for this? I did not. Psycho- holy crap. It's like, have you seen the video for like Iron Man by Sabbath? Yeah. Same psychedelia. Okay. It's trippy as hell. Okay, I'll have to go check that out. But it's pretty simple for me. I'm a huge Queen fan. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, you are. Jefferson Airplane, they're okay. They got some stuff. But like you said, it gets kind of repetitive, kind of long in the tooth, kind of too old real quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, this this definitely has to go to Queen without even really thinking about it. And uh, that's about all I got to say about that. All right, so we're going to move on to your next one. We are going to move on to Photograph by Ringo Starr and by Def Leppard. Now, Photograph is a song by English musician Ringo Starr that was released as the lead single from his 1973 album, Ringo. Starr co-wrote the song with George Harrison, his former bandmate from the Beatles. Although the two of them collaborated on other compositions, it is the only song officially credited to the pair. A signature tune for Star as a solo artist, Photograph became an international hit, topping singles charts in the United States, Canada, and Australia, and receiving gold disc certification for U.S. sales of $1 million. Music critics have similarly received the song favorably. Stephen Thomas Erlewine... They liked it. They did. <laughs> of all music, considers it to be among the very best post-Beatles song by any of the Fab Four. Really? That's what he said. So oh. let's listen to Ringo. So, Photograph is a song performed by English hard rock band Def Leppard and produced by Robert John Mutt Lang. How many times have we read that name? Enough. He is everywhere. He is everywhere, and I have nothing good to say about him. No, he's a great producer. Outside of that, it sounds like he's kind of a dick. But anyway, it is the lead single from the band's third studio, studio album, Pyromania. Their lead vocalist, Joe Elliott, was described the song as generally about something you can't ever get your hands on. When released as a single, it reached number one on the Billboard Top Tracks chart, where it stayed for six weeks, and number 12 on the Pop Singles chart. In 2006, the song was used in promotional adverts for the DVD release of Blades of Glory. In 2009, it was named the 13th greatest hard rock song of all time by VH1. It is also listed as the number 17 greatest song of the past 25 years by VH1. So, a little Def Leppard. can't see him i mean if you've heard some of def leppard's older stuff their older stuff is a lot harder than oh, yeah. like the 80s glam rock stuff so they keep calling him a hard rock band and anybody who's only heard like their hysteria Nine, stuff yeah. 
was wondering, how are they considered hard rock? Right, right. But no, go back and listen to some of their previous stuff. It's good stuff. So Ringo had something to say in his version of Photograph. It's a song about loss and want. I really am not a big fan of the song, though, regardless of what the critics have to say. It just... No. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Def Leppard song is very recognizable for guys our age. It was all over the radio and MTV during during probably our middle school years. High roller, dude. Yes. (laughs) Now, I'm not a huge Def Leppard fan overall, but I really do like this song. And when I have to choose, I'm sorry, Richard, but uh, Def Leppard. So the pair of songs is pretty similar, enough so much that Def Leppard was concerned they'd have an issue with the Ringo song. Really? They were actually physically concerned about that. It's like, nope. Um, producer and idiot, Mutt Lang. And the reason <laughs> I, I the reason I say this is because you know who he was married to, right? Yes, I do. And he broke up with her. Yeah, with Shania Twain. Why? Maybe she's a bitch. Maybe she is, but at least she's a good-looking bitch. <laughs> I mean, what is it with stupid guys, though? I mean, look at Prince uh, Prince Charles. Yeah. Camilla versus Diana? Right. Well, he likes horses. Not doing them, hopefully, but then again, they are English. Anyways, moving on. He basically told him not to worry, he'd be fine. And fine it was, as both songs have done well. Ringo is about a guy who broke up with a girl, and his feelings get intensified when he looks at her picture. Whereas Def Leppard is about a guy who's obsessed with a chick and only has a picture. Okay. I have to give the edge to Def Leppard, though, because of being a child of the 70s and 80s. It just It's too nostalgic not to. Yeah, and I, I personally think it's a better song. It's faster paced, more memorable, and again, man, high roller. I, I would build a new high roller. If Nostalgia. Not. Hell's yes. And we'd have to get those shitty paper roses. Oh well, of course. Do you remember those? And one of those big ass dice, the big fuzzy dice that oh, they throw yeah, yeah. and then put the quarters in there. Yeah. Get the lockers that everybody could run into and the brakes and the skates that would never work. Well, no, I, but you had lockers, you had walls, you had shit you could run into. And they carpeted the walls, so, I mean, you could run yeah. into it, and you would only get rug burns <laughs> instead of broken, broken stuff. stuff. Yeah. All right. All right, so enough with that. Let's go ahead and move on to... What? You? Fire! 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 Yeah! 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 Fire! Dude, I miss Beavis and Butthead. I, you know, I do and I don't. I, I had this nostalgia trip maybe six months, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. So I went, to the, I went to the video rental store. Yes, I went to the video rental store. And I rented Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> Holy fucking awful. The, the animation for the show was not great, but them riffing on videos was second to none. Yeah, but the movie didn't really have that. No. So maybe I need to go back and watch the episodes. Got them on DVD. I bet you do. And Nosebleed is one of my favorite ones. The buddy of mine from college. The one I remember from when I was in, in high school watching this stuff was... When they called the phone sex line, and the girl just sat on it, and they were on the phone for like 24 hours. Just laughing. Just laughing. My favorite, again, is the nosebleed one, and that's the one where it starts off with Butthead um, basically punching Beavis in the face. That's not on unknown. Right, and he gets a bloody nose. And he's like, oh, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. <laughs> and he tries all of these wives' tales to try to get to stop, like, breathing with a bag over his head. Okay. Or standing on his head and pouring water up his nose. Or he ties a piece of string to his nose and slams the door. And Wait, isn't that to pull a tooth out? Yes. <laughs> and so he calls 911 because they show Beavis, like, pale as hell. And, like, the couch is soaked in blood. And... He's bleeding from the nose. Your friend has a nosebleed. That's not an emergency. So he goes and sits down, and Beavis is just like, I'm bleeding. He's like, don't worry, dude. It's not an emergency. 
And it ends up being that he, they see a commercial on TV for tampons. Oh, God. So he stands outside the woman's bathroom and says, can you give me one of those things you put in your thing when you have your thing? <laughs> and of course, he gets punched by the woman. Jeez, I can't imagine why. And then they show both of them putting tampons up their nose. And they're like, ah, I feel fresh. I'm going to go play tennis. <laughs> like all those stupid tampon commercials. Just move on the fire. <laughs> so that is my favorite episode. <laughs> So, Fire is a single off the Ohio Players' 1974 album of the same name. Disco tune where the singer is talking about a girl who's smoking hot and the guy's got major wood for her. <laughs> fire, wood. You know. <laughs> yeah, firewood. And um, the second one I have is The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. We are so juvenile. <laughs> and that is a song off of their self-titled 1968 album of the same name, which is what self-titled means. Both songs are dealing with the element of fire. Duh. And are completely different. The Arthur Brown one is talking more about man's internal struggle facing the inner demons and heading into a figurative fire. Okay. So let's go ahead and start with the Ohio Players version, which you'll notice, you'll probably recognize the bass line immediately anyways. I'm on fire. And then after that, we'll take a quick listen to the other one right away. Fire. So, this is a simply a case of boogie funk going up against a late 60s, early 70s psychedelic rock song. I'm starting to get more of an appreciation for the Arthur Brown and his songwriting style. It's it's just something on it's growing on me. Okay. I think it's a fungus. And that could very well be. Um, but I still have to give this one to the Ohio Players because it's just a fun song. Um, it doesn't hurt that it's used as the opening sequence and credits for Hell's Kitchen. Right. And it has been for years. Mm-hmm. But I would have to give it, like I said, to the Ohio Players. Okay. Now, everybody knows the song by the Ohio Players. However, I could not have told you who sang it. I mean, I, I was looking at this and I'm like, okay, and I clicked on it and it started playing. And I'm like, that song! It's a really fun disco song and I like it. Very 70s in music, vocals, and all over presentation. It's got a very jive feel to it. And I really, really like it. Now, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. I had never heard of them. The song is something of a cross between psychedelia and 70s rockish, I think. But I did not enjoy it, not even a little bit, and the video literally made me motion sick. Really? It is fucked up. I didn't watch the video because actually I already had the song. My dad kind of got me into this one, mainly okay. because that very first line, I am the god of hellfire. Right, yeah. And this just kind of sets the tone. I'm like, it's one of those camera things where they're, everybody's spinning and they're coming in and out. And oh, shit. Just, and then everything psychedelia behind it. I, I watched for like three, <laughs> 35 seconds and I'm like... <laughs> I was done. I was just like, okay, where's the... They didn't have a lyric one, so I just let it play over here as I'm writing over here. That's awesome. But, you know, easy, easily the Ohio players. I mean, All right. there, there's no question on that. So what do you got for your second to last? I have Hello by Adele and Hello. by Lionel Richie. Hello. <laughs> Hi. 
So Hello is a song by English singer Adele, released as the lead single from her third studio album, 25. Adele co-wrote the song with her producer, Greg Kirsten, and Hello is a piano ballad with soul influences and lyrics that discuss themes of nostalgia and regret. Upon release, the song was acclaimed by music critics who compared it favorably to Adele's previous work and praised the song's lyrics and Adele's vocals. It was recorded in London. Let's say hello to Adele. Hello is a song by Lionel Richie, taken as the third single from his second solo album, Can't Slow Down. The song was released in 1984 and reached number one on three Billboard music charts. Uh, the song also went on to number one in the UK singles charts for six weeks. The song later inspired a lawsuit by songwriter Marjorie Hoffman White, who accused Richie of plagiarizing her composition. I'm not ready to go. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Lionel Richie. Hello. So now I gotta say, my daughters introduced me to the Adele song, Hello. My first thought was, this isn't Hello. That is an amazing song by Lionel Richie. However, once I got over that, the Adele song is very good. Her vocals are amazing, and the song isn't far behind. I really liked it. Now, Lionel Richie's song, Hello, is even better. It's just a slow groove by an enormously talented singer, and it's a great song. And I remember I went through this phase where Lionel Richie could do no wrong. It was Hello, it was Dancing on the Ceiling, yep. it was, you know, it was that era. Endless Love. Endless Love. I mean, I just, I, I had like this... 14-year-old man crush on Lionel Richie. <laughs> like a, a fro hard-on for him. Exactly. But uh, what are your thoughts on these? You know, and so the edge for you would be to Lionel then? To Lionel, yeah, absolutely. Right. So both of these solo songs are considered by some as love songs, but in a different style. Adele's trying to get in touch with the former flame, and Richie is talking about how he's crushing on a pretty girl and just didn't have the balls to talk to her, which I think we've all been there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. At one point in time, at least. I mean, that's called like fifth grade. At very least. Or 11th grade if you were me. Well, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, but okay. <laughs> so, it's Love and Lost versus Never Had It to Begin With, I guess. Uh, both are great songs. Adele is incredibly talented. Lots of hits to her name. I still prefer the version done by the former leader of the Commodores. Yeah, So it's absolutely. Lionel for me, too. Excellent. All right, what's your last one for today? All right, so last one I saved, I'm going to say the best because that's my opinion, and that's going to be Jump by both Van Halen and Criss Cross with a K. Yeah. I almost did Jump by Green Jello. That would have been better. I would agree, but I decided to go Hell versus Heaven. So, in any respect, <laughs> so Van Halen's Jump is a single off their diamond-selling album, 1984. Amazing album. Diamond Dave, one of his one of the best albums by Roth. Hey, uh, what year did that come out in? Um, 1682. Oh, okay. 
it, they just put it in a time capsule. And Van Halen frontman David Lee Roth commonly claims he saw a newspaper, pro, or a news program, I should say, about a guy who was on the edge of a building and thought to himself, might as well jump. But he was also known to say the song is about a stripper jumping and jiggling in front of him. You know, okay. I mean, hey, <laughs> whatever, Dave. If the latter was, if it was the latter, it would mesh with the crisscross song as the guy wants it as crisscross, which their song is a single off their debut album, totally crossed out with the K. Yeah, everything was with a K. Mm-hmm. And it was all about getting off your ass and jumping and wiggling. Now, we're just going to listen to these and then we'll talk. Okay. First of all, I have to say, don't tell me what to do, you little shits, and pull your fucking pants back up. Put them on the right way, too. Well, Remember that they always wore them backwards. Oh, my God. How much of a pain in the ass would that have been? I'm sorry, <sighs> but if you get a tight pair of jeans... You Easy have... access to take a shit, though. Then wear butt flaps. Wear butt flaps. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. You know, again, too, is when you get a pair of, a set of jeans, you get ball crunch to begin with. When your pants are backwards, all you have is the ass, which has no ballroom. Right. You sit down, and you're mashing those things away, but I suppose if theirs haven't dropped yet, it won't matter, will it? Yeah, they were pretty young yet. So, in any respect, they're both tolerable songs. I would say, I was going to say decent, but they're not both decent. Only one of them is. So I'm going to say they're both minimally tolerable. Minimally tolerable. Van Halen's Jump is a classic rock masterpiece that introduced Eddie on the keyboard, as, as much of him on a guitar solo. And Criss Cross's version was a booty-shaking hit of the 90s that, let's be honest, is in the one-hit wonder bin. Ain't that the truth. Now, do you remember the cross-color clothes that they had? Yes. Uh, if only those would have died out just as fast. So what we've got here is not a failure to communicate. It is Van Halen's most successful song of all time versus a flash-in-the-pan hip-hop song by the Daddy Mac and the Mac Daddy. Wearing backwards-ass clothing, easiest decision ever, Van Halen. Okay. So Van Halen's Jump. What can I really say about it? It's a great song. It's a masterpiece for... For Van Halen. Diamond Dave and the boys do a great job of making fun music. Like a lot of music from this era, it's simply about having fun and scoring tail. I mean, really. Or jumping off buildings, depending on what kind of mood he's in. Yeah, I, I always... Or maybe he can't score tail, so he's like, jump, might as well jump. <laughs> that could be. Now, Criss Cross and their song Jump is something else. Or when I was younger, I kind of enjoyed this. And now, I hate to say it, it's still pretty good. A couple of teenage boys with a flow that kind of works. That's all I really have to say about those guys, except where are they now? I think they died. One, at least one of them died. Are you serious? I think so. Oh, I, wow. I, I Wikipedia or Google it. I think one, at least one of them, if not both of them, are dead. Oh, wow. So Maybe they jumped too hard. <laughs> like you said, one of the easiest ones to decide, Jump by Van Halen, is a much better song. Now, I have to say this, though. The most hilarious part of the whole thing was, though, in Criss Cross's song, there was a lyric that says, don't try to compare us to another bad little fad. Well, you know. How many people do you see wearing backwards clothes anymore? Yeah, you guys just signed your own death warrant. <laughs> <laughs> so what's right, your last I'm going to wrap this up with the end. 
by The Doors, and by My Chemical Romance. So the end is a song by American rock group The Doors. The lyrics were written by lead singer Jim Morrison. He originally wrote the song about breaking up with his then-girlfriend, Mary Werbelow. But it evolved through the months of performances at Los Angeles' Whiskey A Go-Go into a nearly 12-minute track on the self-titled debut album. It was first released in January 1967. You can get 30 seconds out of this. Okay. The song was recorded live in the studio with no overdubbing. Two takes were done, and it's been held that the second take is the one that was issued. However, it has been speculated that the issued version of the song is an edit of both takes with at least one splice. The band would perform the song to close their last live performance as a foursome on December 12, 1970 at the Warehouse in New Orleans. Let's open the doors. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. Now, I did that for a reason, because the whole idea of the doors was to open your mind to drugs. Well, not to drugs, but just to open your mind to everything around you. With drugs. Lots of drugs. (laughs) Now, in My Chemical Romance Welcomes You to the Black Parade, a commentary featured on the deluxe edition of the edition of the album frontman gerald way says the end was basically the song where i think we when we butted up against dead we realized we were making a really theatrical record and it was also going to be very big we wanted something i think we wanted the end to feel a little like the beginning of pink floyd's the wall there's a song called in the flesh with a question mark because it reprises later in the record we wanted to feel very much like that kind of beginning and you were about to get taken on a journey and i think that's why the song is so big and it tells the story right away i think it just kind of pulls you into the story so let's join the black parade don't like what you see you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me so gather around piggies and kiss this goodbye Now, I'll tell you, you have to have the deluxe edition. I have Welcome to the Black Parade. This song is not on there because I went and looked. Of course it's not. And it's called The End, but it opens the the deluxe edition version Mm -hmm. of the the record. So anyway, so let's, let's start with The Doors. The Doors song is a flowing, dark commentary on life and hardships. I really do like the song, though you have to be in the right frame of mind to listen to it, especially for 12 minutes. The song is used in the movie quasi-documentary by Oliver Stone in 1991 called The Doors, and the song is played in the background when the group goes on their peyote spirit trip. Now, the song by My Chemical Romance is a very different feel from the rest of the LP, The Black Parade. I won't say that I don't like it, but I'd say much like The Doors song, it would have to take a special mood to listen to it and really enjoy it. However, I feel that way about the whole album, really. I bought it for... Black Parade. Mm-hmm. And there's some good stuff on there, but some of it is really dark. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say that the edge goes to the doors in this, but I hate to admit how close it was. Well, it's another close one for you? Yeah, it really was. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on that? So, death is often considered the end of the line or end of the road, and that's really what both songs are dealing with. Strangely enough, they're both dealing with familiar death. 
Uh, Morrison was always enigmatic about it, stating it could be almost anything you want it to be, even though it was written regarding a breakup, talked about kill the father and fuck the mother. Mm-hmm. Real Oedipal a little st- Oedipus. Real Oedipal <laughs> stuff, right. MCR's song was a story album. The entire album was right. supposed to be just like The Wall, supposed to be like a story, and is about father dying. And the next song on the track is actually called Dead with an exclamation. Now, it's hard to say which one I like better because both are really fucked up in their own ways. Yeah, Absolutely. I have to give the edge to My Chemical Romance, though. Even though it's irreverent as hell, it's musically entertaining in a screwed-up kind of way. Okay. So that's what I've got to say about that. All right. So we're running a little bit long, but it's it's bound to happen when we have two songs instead of one for each one. Right. But let's jump into trivia. Let's get this taken care of. Let's see where you end up after the very first one. I'm, so, ho- I'm hoping I get this one right. So to refresh the people out there... Who was the original lead singer for Van Halen, was the question. That was David Lee Roth. Incorrect. Well, okay. It was Eddie Van Halen. Really? Yes. And what did he record? I don't know. That I don't know, but we can look into that. Okay. But after the first week, you are zero and one. Well, that's delightful. It came right off of a quiz page on Van Halen. But uh, anyway. I'll have to look. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. We want to thank you guys for listening. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, feel free to uh, go ahead and look us up. There's a few ways you can do that. You can email us at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Musically Challenged Podcast. Or the third and final way is Twitter. And that's if you want to get in touch with us and want to give us some love, give us some hate. See what we're posting. If We might even put a poll up one of these days if we get enough followers. Just hit us up at, at mcpodcast17. Again, if you want to hit us up there, you can send us a playlist if you want. Uh, ten different songs, ten artists. If you want to have a theme, great. If not, that's cool too. We'll make you famous. Yeah. And it, well, it'll be a good way. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's not illegal or anything. We don't, we, we don't take any... Um... Any special rules when we take a, a list listener list? They can't be like, you can't hate this, you can't do this, but we're always pretty fair, I think. And just keep in mind, too, that if it is something that's a little bit obscure, be prepared to get us the music. Absolutely. And with that, I want to thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.